So we are in a message series, Kingdom Stewardship. We started out a few weeks ago talking about the kingdom of God, what it looks like, what it is. We said uh, in that week, we said the kingdom of God is the realm where God reigns supreme and Jesus is the king. Come on, somebody say amen to that. We spent some time talking about the kingdom and the purpose of the kingdom, the value of the kingdom, the fact that the king of the kingdom is Jesus, and he showed up on the scene saying, repent, the kingdom of God is here. John the Baptist proclaimed that. The disciples reminded people of that. Paul even preaches and writes in his letters about the king of the kingdom and how God is on his throne, and he is not backing down. He is building his kingdom. And last week, we tied that back into the church and how Jesus told Peter, upon the revelation, upon this idea that Christ is the king, that Christ is the son of God, I'm going to build my church. And he, 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 and we, 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 Pitch the concept that we believe that it wasn't just in these safe walls. The building of the church goes on in desolate places where desolate people are who need a physician, the great physician. And <clears throat> to be a part of that kingdom and to steward that kingdom. The word steward means to manage. It means to be responsible for. And for us as believers, when we're brought into the kingdom of God, God gives us his kingdom. He gives us the keys to the kingdom. There's some keys up in there. That's some weird-looking keys, if you ask me, but there they are. Maybe they're old. Um, but he gives us the keys to his kingdom, which represents access. Come on in, right? That's why this room should feel like home. The church, it's, it's an outpost of the kingdom. It's a representation, an, an emissary, and we are ambassadors in our emissary, the embassy of God here on this hill in Wiggins. We have keys. And we have access to the very throne room of God. We, we, we don't have to crawl in, sneak in. As a matter of fact, Jesus said there's only one way in, and that's through me. you got to come through me. You can't climb the wall. That's a thief. You come through me. And so we have access, but with that, we also have responsibility. Keys represent responsibility. Jesus was talking to his disciples about binding and loosing, and we're not going to teach on that today. But there is authority that backs the responsibilities that we have as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. There's responsibility with authority, and there's things we say that matter. And so we saw that last week. We are kingdom stewards, and today we're going to get a little practical. So we were kind of like the, the big flyover first week and then a little drilled in, a little dialed into the church and a little more practical last week, but this week it's going to get even more practical, and I'm actually going to go past the global church, past the local church, and into the actual people of the church, us. What are some practical things that we can do? <clears throat> and we're going to talk today. I'm going to I need my water right there. Angela, would you hand me the one on the other side there? Either one. Thank you. I've got a cough drop in, and I need water. We're going to talk today <clears throat> about stewarding our time as well as stewarding our influence now, I'm not an expert by any means of stewarding time or being a good time manager, so we're not going to get into um, our calendars today and how we should manage our time and all that, the, practical, you know, the, the little blocks of time. This should be your devotion time, and this should be your, we're not going to get into that, but we're going to use an illustration for that in a moment just to get an idea of how we should do that and to get our minds wrapped around that. But it's important to note <clears throat> that God has given us certain resources. I believe that our time is one of those resources. I believe that our influence is one of those resources, and he's given us those tools to 
be responsible for as we expand his kingdom, as we preach the kingdom of God. And sometimes if we don't see that, we'll waste the resources that God has given to us. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll kick off there, in verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, how you conduct yourself, how you live your life, how you manage your time or your influence. Be careful then how you walk, not as unwise, but as what? As wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. It says, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time or redeeming the moments, redeeming the opportunities that we are given as believers because the days are evil. The times we live in are evil. How many of you would say, okay, okay, now you got my attention. I believe that. I've been watching the news. I've been following uh, the current events on the internets, and I know that the days are evil. The time we live in, it's it's getting shorter and shorter. I believe, I believe, Morgan, we were singing about the horse of Jesus that he's going to be riding and the robe that he'll be wearing and the fire in his eyes and the sword in his mouth. I believe Jesus is coming back soon. I believe he has delayed the arrival. The Father has delayed the arrival because there's still some lost people around us that he wants us to reach with the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's given us that time. He's being patient. He's not coming back too soon because then there were many people who wouldn't make it in the kingdom. He's like, come on, church. There's an urgency. Hurry up, church. Come on, get this church, get this stewardship thing, get out there, get around your family. Come on, Thanksgiving's coming. You're going to have another opportunity to model the kingdom of God, what it looks like to your family. Don't be shy, don't be mute. Take it off mute. Let the sound of the kingdom come out of you. Let the people hear, let them see. They need to know this. There's an urgency because Christ is coming back soon. When he comes back, the door's shut. Our opportunities are over. The church's function is done. But he hasn't come back yet. On the one hand, we're crying, oh, Lord, come back quickly. But on the other hand, we're saying, but wait. (laughs) Because my cousin, my aunt, (laughs) my coworker, my classmate, somebody in my life is not saved yet. Make the most of the time, not as the unwise, but as the wise, because the days are evil. And he says again, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand What the will of the Lord is, what the desire of the Lord is, what is the will of our king? Does that matter? Does that matter? Does that matter? Does it matter? Does that matter? I think it does. I think it does. I mean, that's just kind of of one of those, hey, shake me up for a minute. Okay, it matters what the king thinks and what the king desires and what the king's will is. It matters if I'm a member of the kingdom. Psalm 39, 4 and 5 says, O Lord, make me know my end. Make me know my end, or, you know, when I'm going to finish the race. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. It's not saying, show me what day I'm going to die on. It's saying, let me value what I have because time is short. Time is short. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Time is short. I believe these two scriptures we just read should be sobering to us. They should rattle us a little bit. They should cause us to do some introspective thought. Okay, what does the, the king want of me? What, what is my responsibility? What, I've got keys now. That's what the Bible tells me. That's what Jesus tells me. I've got keys. I have access. I have responsibility. What is that responsibility? 
What am I going to do with that access, you know? Am I going to waste it? Am I going to waste the opportunities? Or am I going to maximize those opportunities? Am I going to get ready, get ready to go do the mission? Am I going to go and take responsibility for the time that we have, the short time that we have? The days are evil. They're getting shorter. The world around us is in chaos. It's collapsing, which for some is frightening. For others, we see the opportunity because the chaos in the world causes people to live or to be, it causes people to uh, be exposed in that they have no hope. They have no hope, and we have hope. You know, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll do some uh, current, uh, I'll try to identify with the times. You just like to do that with agriculture. I'll do that with viruses, because that seems to be the, the topic today. Just imagine now, just imagine with me for a moment. We have, we have an antidote to a deadly virus. We do. If you're a Christian, you have access, you got keys, you got access to the antidote for a deadly virus that is sweeping the globe. You talk, you talk about a pandemic. There's a pandemic sweeping our globe, and we, Karen, we have the antidote. You and Rob and Michael and Karen and me, we have the antidote. And we can sit in here and hide out and honker down we can go around, count our beans and bullets, and we can make sure we all go protected. You know, we got protection, got my guns, got my, they, ain't come, they come for me. They're going you know, to regret it, you know. And we can sit in here, and we can formulate that plan. And I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, I'm talking to me, too, because I get this way, too. But we can do that. We can do that, right? Or we can say there is a pandemic of death circling the globe, and people are dying daily that don't know Jesus, and they're separated from God for eternity, and they have no more chance once they die. There's a pandemic happening all around us. There are people we know who are dying outside of Christ. There are people all around us who are going to hell. There are people all around us in this pandemic dying. Death is killing people. It's, it's the end. It's no more. And we're sitting in this room with the antidote, and we could actually give them eternal life if we wanted to, but we are hunkered down counting our beans and bullets. Kind of jacked up, if you ask me. I'm just talking about me. I don't know about you. And Jesus is like, dude, uh, you realize I gave you the keys. <laughs> you realize you have authority to back up the responsibility. So why are you wasting the resources? So there's two resources we're going to talk about today. And they overlap a lot, and that's why we combine them today. Next week, we'll wrap up the series with another resource. But today, we're going to talk about time and influence. Time time is one of the things that, one of those things that none of us seem to have enough of. You notice that? How, how many times have you said, how many times have you heard, I well, I just don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time. I, I know I need to do that. Garrett, I know, I'm sorry I'm picking on you today, but you're just smiling, so I'm going to go after you. <laughs> but I know I got the antidote. I know, I know. And here's the thing about Karen. She does this. She does, she does take the antidote with her every day on the job, everywhere she goes. She is an evangelist. She is an emissary for Jesus, so I can use her gladly. You know. So, but what, you, you've been given the keys. You have the responsibility. <sighs> the end of the day, you lay your head down. It's like, I really wanted to. I wanted to witness to that lady. I wanted to share my testimony. I wanted to share the good news of Jesus Christ with her, but I just feel like, I feel like I didn't have time. I didn't have time. I didn't have time. If we could only substitute, I didn't have time. If we could take that out for just a moment, you know, cop <clears throat> copy it, 
base it over here on another dock, and go back in in the blank space and say, I didn't manage my time properly. <laughs> Would that be more appropriate? I didn't use my time wisely. I wasted time. Any of those sentences would fit for I didn't have time. We never have enough time. But yet we all have the same amount of time each day. That's why it's critical that we steward that time wisely. I was thinking about something that was spoken to Angela and I. About 26, 27, 27 years ago, we, um, we lived in Sosher. We had visited Northwood Church once or twice. We were moving from another church, and we came in. We, we visited a few times, and <clears throat> Pastor Van called us up <clears throat> back in the day whenever you know, didn't have cell phones. It was one of those you had to ring, ring. You know, he called us up, and uh, we had a phone on the wall. So we went and answered the phone, and, and he said, hey, Mike and Angela, I'd love to come visit your house. And so... Uh, we said, yeah, we'd love that. So he came out probably on a Tuesday night, and he sat on our couch, and we sat there and talked to him for some time. And I remember these words like it was yesterday. He, he was kind of wrapping up, fixing to go, and he said, I, I, I came out here tonight, and I gave you my life. And I, I kind of like, you know, you turn your head a little bit. What's that mean? And he said, our time is our life. And I want you to know that I'm willing to give you my time, but I'm willing to give you my life. And boy, that impacted me. That hooked me. Like, I can follow a guy like that. This isn't just a bunch of sales pitch. This is a guy who's investing in me. He's investing his time. His time is his life. Our time is our life. And though it seems like we don't have enough time, we all have the same amount of time. So I've got a simple little chart that we made this week. The pastors put this together. Um, and uh, so it's going to give me a backdrop for an illustration here. Um, a typical 24-hour day. So I want to just go ahead, and some of you are looking at it going, that ain't my day. I, I get it. I get it. Not everybody gets eight hours of sleep. Some of you get two, three hours. Some of you get six or eight. Some of you get 10 or 12 hours of sleep. Come on, somebody. I would be that. I would. Yes. Yes. I wish. But I can sometimes. If you leave me alone and don't turn my alarm on, I'll sleep for 14 hours. I can do it. But that's just to give you an idea of average, typical. Justin would say as an athletic trainer, he would say as a coach, he would say you need at least eight hours of sleep. Nine would be better, but eight will be the minimum. And then there's the two hours in the morning. Some of you have more, some of you have less. Some of you wake up in time to get dressed, brush your teeth, and go to work. I get it. But just to give, a, to give an idea, an illustration, two hours, nine hours of work or school, there again, there might be some travel time built in there. You might work 15 hours a day, I know. But just to give you an idea, and then evening when you get home from work, you know, getting the kids' homework done and the dinner done and, and all the getting ready for tomorrow. And if you don't have kids and maybe you're single, you know, it's the evening time where you're on Netflix and, and, and Hulu and, and, and chilling or gaming or whatever you're doing. And I just threw an extra hour in there because I had it. I didn't know what to do with it. So we called that leisure. We called that leisure. So, so here's, here's, here's this idea of a typical day. Just to give you an idea, a backdrop of our lives. We all have, that's, is that 24? Did somebody already do the math? Who did the math already? There you go. Uh, so we all have 24 hours. So we all have the same amount of time, and we invest it how we want, how we desire. But there it is. And so if you are, if you are a, a, uh, a typical person, and I'm going to use a term that, just go with it on this, but if you use kind of a worldly mindset, uh, uh, just outside of what we just talked about, the for the kingdom's sake, managing my time properly mindset. Outside of that, 
just a typical worldly mindset, you're going to look at sleep as like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for my sleep. And you do your sleep thing, you get in your sleep. And those few hours in the morning, well, they're my time. They're my time. And, you know, and I don't have to go to work yet, so they're my time. And so I like to do what I like to do at those times. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's have my coffee and maybe, maybe veg out, you know, or, or kind of think about the day or maybe get on the news. And it's my time. I do what I want with it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's what, what am I going to get out of that time? How am I going to maximize that time? What's the ROI, return on investment for that time? And then we drive to work, we're at work, or we drive to school, we're at school, and we do the school day, and we're really looking for the end of the work day. We're looking for the end of the school day. We're not really caring about during the day. It's what's at the end of the day, because when we get to the end of the day, we crunch that time clock, you know, working nine to five. Somebody who's old, somebody who's old knew. I was waiting for the, the old people. But so, so we're ready to punch that time card. We're ready to get out of there. And, but at the end of the day, what was in it for me? What did I get out of it? What was the ROI, the return on investment for my work day? That's really what we do. We calculate out what was in it for me. And then we get home in the evening. And, and really, we would prefer if our kids would just make supper for us and let us sit on the couch, recliner, TV on, vegging out, Monday night football, or whatever it is that you like. And so we, so that we can just chill because I'm tired because I've worked all day. Or, you know, I got up early this morning, and I'm just wanting to chill. I'm wanting to veg out. You know, that's kind of what we always, we can't always do that. And so we have to go begrudgingly make supper and do the dishes and beat the pots around. And, and then, then holler at the kids. Got to holler at the kids. Get in your room. Clean your room. Do your homework. You know, that's just part of the things we feel like we have to do because really at the end of the day, they're inconveniencing us because we want to kick our heels up and we want to veg out. But we do what we do in the evening, whatever that looks like for you. But at the end of the day, we're looking about what am I getting out of that? What's the ROI? What's the return on investment for my evening time? And I'd like to call it leisure, but I can't always call it leisure. So I want to contrast that typical person, typical day, I want to contrast that with a kingdom mindset, a person who says, I heard the message, Pastor Mike. I never thought of it that way, but I have the keys to the kingdom, and I have a responsibility that goes along with, or I have, a, I have authority, which goes along with a responsibility that is part of the access to the kingdom of God. And so I want to be a good steward of my time. That's, that's what I've been saying all this to get to, is I want to be a good steward of my time. And so I'm sleeping, Justin, not because it's the only time that I get away from my kids. <laughs> I'm sleeping to recharge, to get ready for my day where I get to manage my time properly and influence the people around me. The morning time. Now, i got to get up, and, and i got to spend time with God. I've got to get ready for my day. Someone once said, you're not responsible to fill others' cups. You're just responsible to empty yours. And that changed things for me because, you know, the do, the duty, the work hard to help others mentality will wear you out and will kill you. But if you can see it as it's not my responsibility to fill others' cup, it's my responsibility to do empty mine. Now it puts a demand on my cup being full, my cup being full, and so I need my time in the morning with God. I need my time in the morning in my word. I need that time to fill my cup because I'm looking forward to the opportunity that I have to empty it throughout the day because I'm kingdom-minded and I'm not worldly-minded. I'm not looking at the ROI, return on investment. I'm looking at the kingdom investment, the KI. There you go. Just made that up. 
looking at how I'm going to invest in others. So I get my time in with God. I get a download. I hear the voice of God. I get some instruction for the day. Or I get encouraged by the Word of God. I'm reading. I'm reading. I just I read something just a few days ago in one of the Gospels, and, and it's still stuck in me. And I've got this thing. And I'm not going to talk about it because it's a distraction. But I, I, for me, it was a big deal. And it was like, mm, and it filled my cup. And so here I am walking around just full, bloop, 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 you know, giving it away. Well, there's that time. Then there's the kids. It can be the typical, I get it, it can be the typical, get up, <laughs> get out of bed, get your teeth brushed, get your backpack packed. It can be the, why did you spill jelly on your white shirt? Now, <laughs> now I've got to, now I've got to wash your shirt. Give me some soda water. Give me a spray bottle. Give me something. Give me the sponge. Wipe their face. Get the sticky off. Y'all don't do that. Y'all do this, right? Okay, we're connecting. Some of you don't. Some of you don't have kids, and I get it. Or your kids are grown, and I get it. You don't do that, Karen, because your children are in their 30s. <laughs> that would be weird. But whatever that looks like for you, 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 you got this, got to do. But or, or you can take the morning time to invest in your kids. Lainey does this every day. She's like, she's like an angel. She, she reads scriptures to her kids. She asks them what the scriptures mean to them and gets their feedback. And they deliberate on how Jesus would respond to certain situations. And you probably don't do this every day, so I'm just picking on you. But that, but that is, it's, it's, it's getting it. It's getting it. I have an, a responsibility. I've got to invest. I've got to be a good steward of my time and my influence here with my kids. I have my kids. I've got them for a short window of time. How many of you know that your kids are going to grow up? And then they're going to turn out. They're going to turn out the way you raised them. <laughs> and if you did a good job in your investment, they're going to turn out good in a sense. They're going to walk in principle, and they're going to walk with character, and they're going to love God. That's why God loaned them to you for those 18 years, give or take, was to invest in them. And, and, and if we do that, we see that we're doing the work of the kingdom in our kids. Then we go to work or school. And we're not there trying to get to the end of the day, working nine to five. We're not there trying to see what we can get out of it. We're looking for the opportunities at work or at school to invest what's in us, to use what we filled up with in the morning throughout the day. We're looking for the opportunities for the, for the, for the Bobs and the Sues and the The people around us that are hurting, and they don't know what to do with it. All they know to do is to put on a mask so that nobody knows. And to them, we're just somebody else who doesn't care. Unless we show up with a kingdom mindset. And we say, God, I've got, I've got eight hours with this guy or this gal or this young person. I've got eight hours. I want to be used by you. you. You might try this. You might try this. Students, you might try this. On your way in the doorway of the school, when you're walking in, just say a little prayer. Say, God, would you use me today? Would you show me the down and outer? Would you show me those hurting and let me speak to them? Going into work tomorrow, you might just pray that. When you pull up in the parking lot, you know, you might work at Ingalls. You pull up in the parking lot, and you get out, and you got that 10-mile walk to get in. You might just, on your walk, Doug knows about that. 
you, you, you might just pray, God, would you, would you show me the ones today, or just the one, show me the one today that's hurting, the one that's down and out, the one, the one that fought, fought with their wife all morning long, and they're, they're, they're going to get a divorce today. God, would you show me the one who's hurting? Would you show me the one today? Would you open my eyes to see? And, and he will. And you'll have the opportunity to pour out of you what you got in you earlier that day. It's stewarding our time individually for the kingdom of God in a way that, that makes a difference. Instead of saying, what am I getting out of my job? You're saying, let me do this as unto the Lord. Let's just pretend for a moment that God is my boss and it's not my boss, it's my boss. So let's say God's my boss and I'm working for him today. Am I being a good steward of his time? Because if you can't see that, if you think that your boss is your boss, then you'll compromise. You'll cut corners. You'll leave for lunch early. You'll come back from lunch late. You'll, you'll not truly invest. You won't serve as unto the Lord because you're working for your boss. But if you walk into that job and say, I'm a good steward of the kingdom of God, he gave me the keys to the kingdom, and I have an opportunity today, an opportunity, not a have to. I have an opportunity today. I'm going to work as unto the Lord. Same thing in the evening, so I'm not going to talk about that, but it's the same thing. Duplicate the morning, walking in the house in the evening. Now, this, this, you're going you're gonna to throw tomatoes at me. I know you are. But I'm telling you, on your way home from work, men, women, if you if you will try this, you probably won't, but if you will try this, dare to try this, that on your way home from work, say to the Lord, God, would you use me tonight with my family? Would you help me to hear my husband, not, 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 not what he's saying, but what he's feeling? Would you help me to hear, hear my wife? Not what she's saying, but what she's feeling. Would you help me to minister to my kids? If you will pray that on the way home, mentally prepare yourself as a steward, a good steward of the kingdom of God. You walk into your house, and you know you have one opportunity for two to four hours, whatever that looks like for you, to make a difference in their life. You will holler less. You will scream less. You will be less frustrated. I, I really believe this. I believe, and, and, I, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but I need to say it. I believe that if someone were to watch through your window, that would be weird. It would be called a peeping Tom. But just pretend with me. Someone watches through your window, and they're filming you. And they put it on YouTube later. Again, this is really weird, isn't it? I know. But from the outside looking in, there may be a possibility that nobody watching this YouTube video would believe you're a Christian, number one, or believe you loved your kids, number two, or that you had any compassion for them because of the way you treat your kids. You don't see it because you see this responsibility to get their homework done. You don't even like their teachers for sending them homework. But you will go, I got to do it, and then, and then to feed them, and then to, oh, my goodness, clean them up, get them in beds because they got to sleep. No, really, get them in bed so you can get a break. Watching this YouTube video is like, dude, this is mean and mad. So, so just try this. I dare you to try this. On your way home from work, on your way home from whatever you do, uh, pray, God, today. Let me see my children as a gift from you, not as an inconvenience to me. Let me see my spouse as a gift from you, a helpmate that you've given me, and let me see, let me see if I can outdo them today. I uh, know you're not listening. Let me move on. Let me read a scripture because Psalm 90, 12. So teach us, this is you talking to the Lord, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So I'm going to give you a quick example of Jesus, and we're going to, going to give you a couple points and, and then go test the waters on this and see if, I, see if Pastor Mike was right. 
Stewing our time and stewing our influence for the kingdom. When we steward our time properly, when we get the map, we get the opportunity we have, when we steward our time properly, we make room to steward our influence in the lives of the people around us. What we just said, we're going to say it again, but in a different way. So here's Jesus with his disciples. Um, it's, 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 it's Thursday. They're in Caper- Capernaum or Capernaum, wherever you, however you say that, if you're from the north or from the south. Um, they're, they're at Capernaum and, or Capernaum, and they're, and they're ministering to people. People are, they know Jesus is healing the sick. He's opening the blind eyes. He's helping people to get the demons cast out, and, and he's, he's knocking it out of the park. So people are bringing all kinds of people to him, <clears throat> and they're hammering him with, with requests. Man, just Jesus, would you, would you, would you? So uh, Friday gets there, and all day Friday, he's just going, going, going. And Friday night, at sundown is the beginning of the Sabbath for the Jewish people. And so for Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown, he gets a slight reprieve. Although we see in the scriptures that he didn't stop. He kept healing people. He kept doing things. Now, you have to understand, he was willing to violate Jewish law by healing people. But the people weren't willing to violate Jewish law. So it probably, you know, it reduced the numbers. You know, like, well, we can't take people to Jesus. It's the Sabbath day. And so, so the end of the day on Saturday at sundown, the sun's starting to set, and they're, they're almost like at the starting line with their people, with their cripples and with their, 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 their lepers, and, and not really, but you know, they, they were with their, ready to get healed because as soon as the sun set, the Sabbath was over, and game on, we're back in Jesus' presence, and he's going to heal some more people, and here it is, the sun began to set, and they drug him in, and so Saturday night was a big party. It was one of those tent revivals, and he was casting out demons, and he was healing the sick. He was opening the blind eyes. He was going at it. Probably late into the night, you know how it works when you get to a tent revival. Nobody wants to go home. They're all like, oh, that was so good. I'm so drunk. Would you do it again, Jesus? You know, clap, 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 clap. Do it again. Whoop, whoop, do it again. And they're, man, he is working hard. Now it's late Saturday night, and Jesus, finally, the, the, he, the people are still there, but he's like, come on, guys, slip out the back. And he goes, and he gets a little bit of rest. Luke chapter 4, verse 42. And when it was day, so this was Sunday morning, most likely at daybreak. And when it was day, he, Jesus, departed and went into a desolate place. Which was his custom, by the way. He did this often. This is not the only time. But he went into a desolate place. So he didn't just go outside. He didn't just go to another room. He didn't just go down the street in the town there of Capernaum. Capernaum. He, didn't, he didn't just go local. He went out. He went out of the city. He probably went down in the valley a little bit, maybe up the hill on the other side, found this little rock most likely a desolate place, a desert place, a lone place. He got away from the crowds. He had to find him a spot. He got to, went to a desolate place, as was his custom. And the Bible goes on to say that, in, and the people sought him and came to him, and they would have kept him from leaving them. And they were, they were, they were really excited about what Jesus was doing. And they wouldn't leave him alone. And then verse 43, but he said to them, I must preach the good news to the, of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Two things I want to point out in this passage of Scripture. Number one, Jesus spent time with God. He got away to a desolate place, as was his custom. That's what he did all the time. Jesus spent time with God, which led to him being refreshed and renewed on what his mission was and what his purpose was. 
two examples that I want to give you today out of this scripture. Number one is we must abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ is essential to stewarding our time for the kingdom of God. I put up the chart. We walked through it in a couple of different look, outlooks. And you're sitting there thinking, I want to do that. I need to do that. But Pastor Mike, you just don't know. I just, you just don't know my life. You don't know I've got eight kids or I've got a, a, a knucklehead for a spouse or whatever. I've got a boss. That you, you just don't understand. There's, it's relentless. I, I would want to do that. And my intentions are good, but I can't. I just never have been able to. And so I'm not sure, I'm not sure if, you've, if you've heard me yet, but the secret sauce for Jesus was not, it was not any of those things, managing any of those things. It was abiding in God. It was him getting away and getting refreshed by spending time with the Father. You know, Jesus many times said, I don't do anything of my own will. I don't do anything on my own. I only do what I hear the Father say. I only do what the Father says do. I only do what I've seen the Father do. I only do what God instructs me to do. Now, that's, that's the bar. It's set really high, and I'm not saying I even do that, and I'm not saying you have to do that, but abiding in Christ is the secret to managing your time and being a good steward of your time and being a good steward of the kingdom of God. Abiding in Christ. And there's some in this room that do that, and they would testify that, yes, that is why I can do this, this, and this. I've heard people say this over and over. I, I've proven this, and even in my life, I've tested it and seen that if you'll spend time with God in the morning, it will seem like you have more time in the day. You'll be more productive. You'll get more done for Christ than if you don't spend time with God. If you don't spend time with God, and you go back to the chart, and you see you, you take that 15 to two-hour window in the morning, and you just veg out. You do your thing, or you just crack the whip, get the kids to school. Whew, I did it again, finally. And you have nothing in you to give away. Therefore, you won't give away. You won't pour out into others because you have nothing to pour out your drain. Some of you are here today, and, and I'm saying this very respectfully, but in a challenging way because if, if someone doesn't, doesn't challenge you, you will not change a thing. You'll do this the rest of your life. But some of you are here today, and you're exhausted. And you're so happy that we have a kids' ministry because your kid's not next to you saying, Mommy, 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 or whatever that is that pulls on you and tugs at you. Jesus got up and he got to a desolate place. He, he got away from the people and he spent time with the Father. And there's a lot of things that that could look like. I don't know that I even have to tell you. I believe you already know what that looks like. Abiding, there's, just, there's so much freedom in that. Abiding in Christ, hearing the voice of God, reading the Word of God, filling my tank is the beginning of stewarding my time wisely. To abide means to remain in or to rely on. It means to rest in, to patiently wait for. Abiding in Christ helps us to prioritize our time and steward it properly for his kingdom. Abiding in Christ helps us to say no to those things that aren't fruitful and yes to those things that are. Abiding in Christ becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle. You be begin to abide in Christ, and all of a sudden you begin to see rest begin to happen in your life, physical rest, but emotional rest, <clears throat> mental rest. It helps us to unload burdens. You know, the Bible tells us to cast our burdens on him, right? to cast our burdens on him. Well, how do you do that? What, do you, what does that look like? 
It's not in the midst of chaos and you're in traffic and you're speeding to work because you left late because the kids had to have some more medicine because there's snot running down their face and you're, you're just thinking about, oh my gosh, did I even put pants on my son? I don't even know. And you're driving and you're going, oh, and, you're, and, you're, and then somebody cuts you off and you're like, I know I'm a Christian, but blankety, blankety, blank. You know, you just, you know, and, and, and abiding in Christ Gives us an opportunity to unload our burdens to Him. So we don't carry them around and allow them to impact how we treat one another. Abiding in Christ helps us to trust God when things get hard, when money's tight, relationships are strained, and even our physical health is challenged. It helps us to trust His Word. It's taking His yoke upon us. If, if you've read the Bible a little bit, you know that yoke is this agricultural thing where it was a wood beam that was carved out and you would have like say two oxen and you'd put a yoke this wood beam on their shoulders and chain it to them and so when one would pull it would help the other one pull and so they weren't pulling alone they weren't carrying the full load of the plow or the wagon or whatever they were pulling they weren't doing it alone they were teaming up and doing it and Jesus invites us to take his yoke to get in the yoke with him to let the beam rest on our shoulders because and then as, he, as we pull, he pulls. We pull together. We're a team. Jesus invites us to be a team with him. But we can't do that if we don't abide in Christ. If we, just, if we call on him when we're in desperation, I've been pulling all day, Jesus, and I'm more slapped out. Would you come help me now? And he's like, well, I was there at 6 a.m. I was waiting for you to abide in me so I could get in this yoke with you, and I would have pulled with you all day long. And it would have been much easier for you, but you chose to do it alone, you know. I don't know if he talks to you that way. That's what he talks to me. That's what he talks to me. We get in the yoke with Jesus. Being a good steward of our time allows us to have a measure of balance in our life, whether it's in our rest time, our work time, our relationships, or our leisure time. All the while, because, because we're abiding in Christ, our focus is no longer ourselves and in selfishness. It's now people around us. It's what really matters to God. It's the reason he gave us the keys. You don't need keys to the kingdom if you're not going to invest in others. There's really no need to have the keys. But God undoubtedly wanted us to use those keys and make a difference in people's lives. And so we must be like Christ in that we abide in Christ, which allows us to steward our time wisely. And number two, in this scripture we read, Jesus, by abiding in Christ, was able to discern his mission. If you don't know your mission, if you don't know what you live for, your why, then you'll just do everything and anything. Many times that includes numbing yourself from the reality of your life because you hate your life. But abiding in Christ is where we get the heart of God. This is important. Abiding in Christ allows us to get God's heart for us. Number one, what He thinks of us. You know God's not really mad at you. He's madly in love with you. But He's not mad at you like you think. He's not looking back at the last three days and saying, my goodness, how many times have you failed me? He, that's, that's just, he, he's so much above that. He's so much bigger than that. He's so different than we suppose that he is, but we don't abide in Christ, so we don't know his heart for us. He says, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. I know you well. I know you're susceptible to fall and stumble, but if you'll spend time with me, get in my yoke. If you'll abide in me, I'll help you to be an overcomer. I will help you be a victor in this life. I will help, help you have the power to overcome the temptations and the sin. I will help you. And then when you do fall, I'll help you get back up and repent, get cleaned up again and get back at it. But you don't abide in me 
And so you come to me under condemnation because you don't know me and you don't know how I think about you. Okay, so abiding in God, abiding in Christ helps us to know how he thinks about us, but he also opens our eyes to see the people around us. Abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ helps us to see God's heart for the people around us. So now the boss who's so mean, the boss who's so such a knucklehead, who's so rough on you, and you hate your boss, and you just like, you cuss him all the way home or whatever you do, you know, you're like, oh, I only go there for the money, and you're, so you're not on mission, you're not productive, you're not stewarding your influence in those opportunities because you're just mad at that knucklehead boss, and God will open your eyes to see your boss's flaws, your boss's pain, your boss's hurt, his daddy who rejected him as a little boy, or his mama who <clears throat> allowed his daddy to molest him as a little boy or whatever that looked like for your boss. And God will open your eyes to see his hurt and his pain. You'll actually be able to minister to your boss instead of hating your boss and cussing your boss. But abiding in Christ allows us to see others around us. You think your spouse is your enemy because you don't abide in Christ. And so they're an inconvenience to you because they, meh, 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 meh. What did they say? Meh, 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 meh. Wait, one more time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all they say. That's all my spouse says. Yeah, not really. Yeah, 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 because you, you're not abiding in Christ. If you abide in Christ, all of a sudden you see them like God sees them, and you're able to serve them instead of being served by them. Wow. It matters to be a good steward of my time and my influence because it changes everything. When we stand before Jesus, the King, of this kingdom that we're a part of. At the end of our lives, and here we are, we're in line, and I'm behind Evan, and we're just kind of waiting, going down the line, and then Evan goes in the door, and, and, he, and then the door opens up again, and Mike's your turn, and I walk in. When you walk in and you stand before Jesus, I don't know that we'll truly be standing. We might be on our faces, but there we are. And he, and he puts his arms around us. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Oh, I love you so much. This has been a joy. We're here. We made it. Oh, I'm so glad to see you finally face to face. Can you imagine? And he backs up and he looks in your face and said, I'm proud of you. I, I just think somehow, based on this concept, the scriptures that we're learning about the kingdom, I just, for some reason I just think he's going to go, oh, look over our shoulder. <laughs> now, who did you bring with you? <laughs> That, that's what this life was about, right? Who did you bring with you? And, and for many, we're just going to hang our heads. Lord, I, I didn't have enough time. Lord, I, I, just, I just didn't, I didn't feel like I had, um, you know, that grace. or I, I just didn't feel like, Lord, that I had the gift. Um, oh, Lord, the people that were in my life were so mean. Uh, uh, Man, just excuse after excuse after excuse. And I, I just don't know that Jesus is going to go, well, okay, baby, you tried. You know? I, I think that Jesus is expecting that we're going to bring people with us, that we're going to make a difference. We're going to exercise stewardship when it comes to our time and our influence, and that we're going to maximize that in this life so that when we cross the finish line and we stand before him and he says, who'd you bring with you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look at them. Would you look at them? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You did what the king required of you. Well, well, well Lord, Lord, I, I, I really I had good intentions. I studied. 
the Lord's Prayer, and I was going to recite it at work. It just, I, I didn't have time. I just, I just don't know that most of our excuses are going to hold water. There's a challenge. There's a challenge in this. We all have influence, yet we don't all steward that influence. And when influence isn't stewarded, it can be damaging, or worse yet, it can be useless. But if you value the mission of Jesus, then you will steward your time well, which allows you to more effectively exercise your influence for the kingdom of God. I'm going to say it one more time. If you value the mission of Jesus, then you will steward your time well, which allows you to more effectively exercise your influence for the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, I think if it really matters, it will matter. If it really matters to you, it will matter. In setting priorities and setting your agenda for the day, for the week, for the month, for your life, the decisions you make will be filtered through. Is this beneficial for the mission, for the kingdom? Interesting thing about my illustration there. Again, that was my opinion about what it's going to look like. I didn't read that out of the book of Revelation that each one will stand before Christ and he'll look over their thy shoulder <laughs> into the abyss of people. It's, it's just conceptually. The interesting thing about that is that we're not going to be there together like as a gang. Well, maybe we are, and I'm wrong, but it seems as if there's an accountability that that is solo, that's individual, that's just for McKenna, that's just for Andy, that when you stand before Jesus, it's you standing before Jesus giving an account of what you did or did not do, not Andy and Candy and their kids all together and the church all with them, you know, come on in, pack it in, you know, okay, guys, y'all did pretty good, you know, but from what I read in the Bible, it's, it's just Andy <laughs> standing there. In front of Jesus, just Mike standing in front of Jesus, giving an account. Did, did, did I do with the keys what he wanted me to do with the keys? Did, did I take the keys and go, Lord, I'm on it? Did I serve and do as unto the Lord, work as unto the Lord? Or did I waste my time and at the very last minute scurry around trying to do something with the keys? I don't know which one of these keys works. I don't know. But, uh, that one's not it. I, or did I take responsibility? And I think. The, the, the bottom line of this message today is, are you taking responsibility for your time and your stewardship of your influence? Are you blaming everybody, blaming not having enough time? Father, we repent for wasting your time. And we repent for not taking seriously the kingdom responsibilities and the kingdom mission. We repent that we've made excuse after excuse and we've allowed our good intentions to be a substitute for our actions. We repent for saying, I didn't know. We repent we're falling short. And today we rise up as kingdom citizens, as called out 
ecclesia, the church, the gathering, the body of Christ, as individuals that make up the greater. We stand up, we rise up, and we, we take these keys that you've given us to your kingdom. And Holy Spirit, we're looking out into our tomorrow. And we're asking you now to open our eyes to see the opportunities ahead of us. We're looking forward to abiding in you, getting full, and then pouring it out day after day, living our lives as good stewards of your kingdom. Holy Spirit, we're asking you, specifically this week, where our families will be gathered, where we'll be with friends, loved ones, people we haven't seen in a long time. We're asking you this week to open our eyes, to let us see the opportunities to steward our influence and invest in those people to share the love, to share the truth, to share the hope that we have on the inside of us. Oh, that we would stand before Jesus one day. And when he looked over our shoulder, he would smile and he would say, well done. <laughs> well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on, nobody's looking around right now. <clears throat> if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your heart to Christ, you've never gotten saved, whatever you want to call that, you, you, you've never given your life to Jesus. The Bible says this, that if you will believe in your heart, that Christ died for your sins and that you would confess it with your mouth that you would be saved. Sometimes we work really hard trying to please God, thinking that gets us in heaven. And Jesus said, nope, the only way is through me. The only way is to receive the free gift of salvation that I offer you. Jesus died on that cross to pay the penalty for your sins. You can't do that. You're here today, and you've never done that. Or maybe you did it long ago, and then you walked away over the course of time, and you find yourself 10, 20, 30 years later so far from God, you don't know Him, and He most likely doesn't know you. Well, He does, and He loves you, and He's inviting you home today. He's saying, come on home. It's time. But if that's you in any way, I want to lead you in a simple prayer today of repentance, of salvation, of reconnection to the one who loves you. Just say something like this. Say, God in heaven. Come on, help me out, folks. God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today, and I ask you to save me. I ask you to come live inside of me and teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. Tell him this. Say, I give you all of me, Jesus, and I receive all of you in Jesus' name. Amen.